Hello and welcome to episode 1101 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, September 23rd. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well myself. I'm excited for the weekend to hang out and relax a bit and uh, see how this main event goes, man. This has been such a crazy sweat. Our league is insane. Uh, Some of the standings moves for mid-September, late September even. Now it's the 23rd for crying out loud. Um, Two and a half, three and a half, four and a half, three and a half, two and a half. Those were some of the point moves yesterday from folks in our top eight in our league. And you just don't usually see moves like that. It obviously depends on your standings and every league is different, but these standings have remained insanely tight. And like I striker by his own words is sweating, you know, basically uh, razzing me a little bit saying, you, you said it was over and it's not. And I didn't say that to jinx him. I really didn't. He had a great lead and it was shortly after getting Dustin May. And while I've all, always skeptical of TJ returners. I still thought that was the best move for him by far. Um, you know, as far as what he needed striker being Scott Jenstead, but it has not really worked. And that pitching is hurting him. It's down to 29 and a half points. He's at one one and a half 96 for Jason Gill, 95 and a half for me, 92, 90 and a half are in the mix as well. They, they had big losses yesterday, but they can easily flip. I was in fifth early in the day. I jump up to second, landed there so it's all over the place i don't break down the full thing but that's where my attention has been is on every move in that league right now do you want to know how many innings of amazingness i left on my bench this week yeah i know the answer to this and it's uh it's hard because you left in you know friend of the show Kyle Gibson, who we haven't heard from in quite a while because he's busy pitching in Philadelphia. He's no longer pitching in Texas to and being able to swing by. You should see my grass. Yeah, it's. I bet it's atrocious, right? You can't find Char when she goes out. She's gone, and sometimes I'm like, oh, she's lost forever. But no, that she comes trotting out. But yeah, it's just uncut grass for for days out there with Kyle Gibson. I started him in the two start strikeouts and wins are kind of the the main things I'm hammering. So I chose him in a two start over these three guys: Bradish against Houston. We know what he did yesterday. JP Sears against Seattle. He wasn't doing anything. I couldn't even trust him against the Mariners, who are like a decent offense but not super scary. And then Dre Jameson at the Dodgers, who dominated. That's 19 and two thirds of elite work from them and i'm just like i stand by the move process over results but oh my god is it pain all three of them won their games too so it's just been a nightmare but i do i do still have three wins on the week from woodruff Wright, mckenzie um i've got a shot even though tyler wells and kyle gibson tried to ruin my week i've chiseled the era back down to five for the week which again all things considered is pretty good but my god was it painful to watch them all dominate anyway don't need to do a full breakdown of my team i am excited to see how that league finishes but what today i want to talk about is some breakout pitchers that might be a little suspicious we talked some suspicious breakout hitters and what we mean by that is you know guys that when you look at the underlying stats there might be a few things there that are a little bit uh alarming or, or at least concerning about whether or not they can repeat at the same level next year. There's going to be guys that are uh, higher level talents here, as well as some mid and lower tier guys. Uh, and I just kind of want to get your thoughts on on where you're at with them next year. Are you going to pay the premium because of their gaudy ERA, or are you going to back off? So why don't we just start with probably the biggest and most obvious guy here, Tony Gonsolin. 
He's having just a brilliant season. Obviously, pitching for the Dodgers uh, certainly helps things. They can, uh, you know, c- cover woes pretty easily, and they're always going to back you up for dubs. That's why he's 16 and one in 23 starts, currently on the IL, by the way. But he has a 210 ERA and an 087 WHIP for uh, Tony Gonsolin in 128 and a third. Huge season, found his command after losing it last year. But obviously, when you look under the hood, you see 116 Ks. So that's good for an 8.1 strikeout per nine. Sorry, Fangraphs is down this morning. I'm on BREF. I'm not calculating every strikeout rate uh, percentage. So you're getting K9s today, y'all. Uh, and that doesn't mean dogs. And, you know, his 35 walks for a 2.5 BB9, that's good. Again, he got his command back, but he's riding a 5.3 hits nine as well. So what do you make of Gonsolin? You got the gaudy win total, the insane ERA, the fact that he's on a great team. Is that going to inflate the price too high for you? And what do you think that price is going to be? It's really hard to tell. Um, I mean, he's had a fantastic year. His price should be extremely high, comparatively speaking, to where it has been uh, previously. But, I mean, this has also been a guy that a lot of people in the industry have loved for a really long time, including us. Um, Mm-hmm. I think the biggest concern right now is health. I mean, he's on the IL with an elbow issue. Um, and, you know, he's kind of progressing a little bit slower than the team had expected and would have liked. Uh, now he had a good day yesterday, apparently. You know, Dave Roberts said that, uh, you know, he looked good in his bullpen. He's going to advance the live hitters, um, that his arm speed looks good, that there was no, you know, residual soreness or mm-hmm. uh, the reason why he hit the uh, the IL to begin with. Um, but, I mean, that's scary. Like, it's, it is. it is, And I think that will help drive down his price a little bit depending on how he finishes out the year. Does he come back in the playoffs and play a big role and look good? Um, it's hard because, I mean, yeah, obviously – when you're pitching this well, like things look pretty good under the hood for the most part, but like they don't look great. They don't look elite. Um, we're not talking about a guy who's like missing a ton of bats. Uh, you know, you know, he's got like league average, league average zone contact. Like, that's fine, but like that's also not what you kind of expect from a guy having this year. Um, I I think. If he is considered like a top 30 starter or a top even 35 starter next year, like I, I don't think I'm on board with that. I think that's probably too aggressive for me, especially from a guy who he's got 120 something innings this year. Like the I, health for Gonsolin, I think, yeah, is something that I keep coming back to where I'm like, even if I wanted to get fully in on the uh, uh, on the production, what kind of innings count am I going to get? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, and I, I. I don't think it's going to be particularly high for Gonsolin um, or I don't believe that I can necessarily rely on it being particularly high. And again, you know, I, uh, I lean toward not losing my mind over, over health concerns, even with guys that have health track records uh, that, that are a bit negative, like, uh, like Gonsolin. But I, usually that comes if with a discount, right? If I, if I'm going to get somebody that can be a bit cheaper because of their health, I'll take that uh, that extra risk on Gonsolin. I don't think so. I think he is going to be more expensive. I think he is going to be in that top 30, 35 starter type range. And I don't think I want to pay full freight there. So I'm, I'm likely to be leaning away. I just think the numbers are going to be too gaudy. Don't forget another thing that can influence uh, ADPs. He's going to be at the top, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to consistently be up there. And I don't mean at the tip top, but I mean, he's going to be in the high in the queue. 
And so when people are looking at their default cues, you're going to see a lot of Tony Gonson up there, and those numbers are going to really jump out, and that will influence things. So I think push come to shove. I mean, we'll see where the price is as drafts get going here next month, but I, I don't see myself with any Gonsolin um, at market price. Uh, I, I don't either. I mean, it's it's a bummer because I didn't get him at the reduced rate this year, um, and uh, I wish I had. Uh, and now yeah, he's obviously be sitting, you'd be sitting pretty with that. It yeah. was tough though with the command where it was, plus the health concerns. I understood, you know, he wasn't particularly expensive, but I understood if people weren't exactly going for Gonsolin this year because, mm-hmm. you know, what what were we going to get? And um, turns out pretty good. Pretty I, deep, I pretty think good. I think guys like Gonsolin, we're going to talk about Kyle right here in in a little bit. Um, I think they are a good example of. Hey, guys, you've been in on the past as sleepers. Just because they've disappointed doesn't mean they still can't be sleepers. Yep. Um, and because I think Gonsolin and Wright are really good examples, at least for me, of guys who I've loved in the past uh, that I didn't go back to the well on this year, and I should have. Um, you know, the, the skills were all still there. Uh, the opportunity was actually even better than they had been in the past for yeah. these guys. Uh, and one of the reasons why they didn't make as big of an impact in the majors was because of opportunity in the past. So uh, I think this is just a, a reminder of like, hey, don't give up on the guys that you believed in in the past. Yes, I think that's a, that's a great point, especially, you know, in somebody like Kyle Wright, who didn't have that much track record under his belt to necessarily say, hey, we got to run away from this. Let's give him a shot. Uh, we will get to Kyle Wright in a moment, but since the next guy's on the same team, let's stay with the Dodgers here real quick and talk Tyler Anderson. This one I don't think will be super overpriced in the market, but he will be more expensive, right? He will get that, he'll be that premium soft tossing, you know, uh, mid-tier type guy. It's also going to depend on where he goes because Tyler Anderson will not be on the Dodgers next next year unless they re-sign him. He's a free agent, so they have to bring him back. But he's 15 and four with a 252 ERA, 101 whip, and 125 strikeouts in 167 and two-thirds. Of course, that's a 6-7 K9. That's terrible. Uh, that's like flat out terrible in today's game. Doesn't mean you can't roster it because he's doing so much other good, but you need to cover those K's because he is a detriment to your K bottom line there. Um, at least in terms of a rate situation, if he's getting 167 plus innings again next year for Tyler Anderson, then the volume is still okay. 134 last year, 125 this year. That's not a terrible uh, raw total, but the rate isn't good. And if you do play in an innings cap league, don't forget that means you essentially play in a K nine league. And a guy mm-hmm. like Tyler Anderson actually becomes a, a detriment at that point. And you really have to assess that into his value, a detriment in strikeouts, of course. Anyway, he's leaned on an amazing changeup this year. It has, it has jumped another level. It's It's been his best pitch um, in previous years, but this year it's on a, it's on another level completely. It's one of the best pitches in all of baseball by pitch value, which means the results have been great. Pitch values are not predictive, though, so it doesn't mean that that's going to carry over. What do you make of a 32-year-old Tyler Anderson having a career year with the Dodgers? Is this simply a case of when Dodgeritis goes right and being on this team is is a perfect mix? Or can he build upon this and and be a consistently solid, uh, you know, mid-tier rotation type guy for folks next year for Tyler Anderson? I mean, I think he can, depending on where he ends up. Like, is, like, this level... Um, sustainable? No, I mean, obviously not. There's, there's going to be some regression, but like, like you said, like, because of the lack of strikeouts, uh, and him likely not being on the Dodgers, you know, probably going to go get a multi-year deal somewhere else. Uh, 
he will he'll slip in the ADP. People are going to point at Tyler Anderson as like the premier case of hey, this is a guy who just had a really good season, but it, it's going to regress. And yeah, of course it's going to regress. Like if if we didn't think it was going to regress, we'd be taking him as like a top ten starter. Um, but I also think the floor is pretty decent outside of the injury history. Like the injury mm-hmm. history is, is probably the most concerning part about a guy like Anderson. Uh, but as the, you know, he threw 167 innings last year. Um, you know, he made 11 starts and two relief appearances in the shortened 2020 season, which is a full season in, yep. in that year. Um, so like, you kind of got to say like, Hey, he's been healthy. Like in of yeah. all the Dodger starters, like he's the one who keeps making his turn in the rotation with no problem. Um, exactly. And interestingly this year, he's matched Tyler Anderson has matched last year's innings total despite uh, five fewer starts. He has 26 starts, two relief appearances this year. And Tyler Anderson had 31 starts last year for that same 167 innings. 2019 was a washout, right? 20 and two thirds basically missed the, you know, you call that a, a, a nothing season, but he had his 176 innings the year before that. So like you're saying, Tyler Anderson now has four out of five healthy years. Mm-hmm. And you don't get full credit for 2020. We know that we always make that disclaimer, but you pitch as much as you could, right? You can only do so much. Um, so, yeah, I, I wonder if he is more of a nice innings, reliable innings eater type that if he doesn't go too high, because everyone pulls back on that Dodgers season, maybe there's a case where I don't want to say he's a bargain, but that he's not a bad value in the market. I, I could mm-hmm. see that world where everyone just pulls back on Tyler Anderson and says, uh-uh, we're not paying it. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, now we've gone too far. I still mm-hmm. believe this guy can put up a high threes, low fours. Um, I guess that's the question, though. Does he go back to like his mid fours level, which – you can have some viability in uh, uh, 15 team leagues, which is our general focus. If you're in 12s and Tyler Anderson goes back to previous, he's not really rosterable outside of random yeah. streams. But if he is uh, the 2021 guy, we can still use that in um, uh, 15 team leagues as like a team streamer. Does he go in the middle or does he go all the way back to that? I know the team context is going to matter and you need that piece yeah. to know where he's going to play. But let's just put him on a neutral, just a neutral place. Do you think he's going to be like a – 380 ERA guy or back up to four and a half? I think 380 sounds about right. Like, I mean, and you know, like you said, the team context matter, but even more than that, though, like the park context matter, the defense matters behind him. Agreed. Uh, I, th- I think all these things kind of matter, but I don't see why there's any reason he can't be you know, this year's Cal Con- Quantrill, which was a guy that was actually pretty good. And everybody was all like, I'm not touching this guy. And he We're went to like, get to him too. Yeah, he's on I, this list. I know. Like he's just because he's he did a guy it again. everybody faded the dude because they're like regression, regression, regression. And then you're like, hey, he just doubled down on exactly what he did the previous year. So yep. I don't see why Tyler Anderson can't do that given the right situation. Like I don't know where he's going to end up. I, I prefer him to go to a, a good park with a good defense behind him. Like, he'd be the perfect guy to end up with the Cardinals, um, you know, or the Mets. Uh, but, like, you know, if he ends up in the AL East, if he's a Yankee, if he's a, a, a Red Sox, then, yeah, I'm probably going to fade the hell out of him. Yeah. That, those, those parks scare the crap out of me. Um, Understandably. With, with, yeah, because Tyler Anderson, with, all, with that low strikeout rate, does need a quality defense to make sure they're turning the balls in play into consistent I, I also don't think he's like a top 
150 and maybe not even a top 175 pick. And so yeah. like he's one of those guys, especially especially in your 10s and 12s, like you're taking everything back into your draft. Like, and even in, in 15 team leagues, like you're not taking him the first 10 to 12 rounds. Maybe what, like your sixth, seventh pitcher yeah. maybe? I'm totally fine with that, especially so. if you've built up your strikeouts mm-hmm. already. Like, yeah, definitely go. Uh, and, you know, he's one of those guys who is so unsexy, uh, <laughs> but just stabilizing. I can relate, Tyler. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I totally get it. But, yeah, so that's Tyler Anderson. Obviously, we'll have much more on him when he lands, wherever he lands. Um, you know, got to get through the playoffs and all that first. And if it's a big playoff, maybe the Dodgers say, hey, we found something with you in that changeup. We'll bring you back. And then we'll both probably bring him up at a, a, a level there and say, hey, now you could make him your fourth, fifth pitcher if you really wanted to. Because while I wouldn't expect a repeat if he goes back to the Dodgers, I would expect them to keep that changeup good. Uh, to turn his outs and or to turn all those balls in play into outs consistently and foster a mid to low three or mid to high threes ERA for Tyler Anderson. So um, he'll be interesting. I don't think he'll be too expensive. This guy will be though. And uh, I get it. I love Kyle Wright. I understand that gaudy 19 win total standing out. That is an MLB best 318 ERA, 116 whip, and 170 innings for the 26 year old breakout. Uh, 165 strikeouts and 50 walks. That is an 8.7 K9 and a 2.6 BB9. He's been wonderful, uh, but he is going to be expensive. He's on one of the best teams in the league, had one of the best seasons. Again, he's going to be at the top of that queue uh, early. You know, as as the as the super races go, once you once you get past those super races, Kyle Wright's going to be at the top of that SP pool. How long does he last, Justin? Is he a fourth rounder in in 15 team leagues, which would make him a top 60 type pick? Next year is that is that where you're at with Kyle Wright? What do you think about this breakout season? I like the breakout season, but the the last few starts have been kind of shaky, and I do wonder how much people are going to be like, "Oh, tired down the stretch." Like you see a guy we fade. Like I wonder if he ends up not really going in that top sixty uh, because of the way he's kind of finishing out. I'm still going to be on board. Like I it it, it was painful to eat eight at Oakland, right? Yeah. Like. You cannot fathom how bad that is compared to, you know, what what the expectation is. I will say though, he was coming off a four start run where he'd won all four in a row, mm-hmm. and he had one at Boston and one home against Houston. The other two were at Pitt and versus Colorado, but that was a four start run where he allowed three earned. And so, you know, the regression monster came in Oakland. You don't usually get an appointment with the regression monster in Oakland, but sometimes if that's the only time he can fit you in, he's gonna get you. Mm-hmm. And he got you. Uh, in this case, eight base runners, two homers for Oakland uh, were able to do the damage against him. But he rebounded. He's now allowed uh, three earned. Kyle Wright has in 11 and a third against San Francisco and the and the Nats since then. Two more wins as well. So he bounced back. Uh, I feel pretty I feel pretty good about the way he is coming down the stretch. He's had a couple duds. He also had a six earned dud at the Mets, but that's the Mets. I don't, I I slough that off and move on. The Oakland one stung without a doubt, but at least he bounced back. It's going to be an expensive price. I, I, I believe in so much of what he's doing. I still think it's probably smart to just fade off of the breakout season, just as a principal thing, regardless of anything right does. I think it's probably just the right move to not pay that premium. No, it's it's not the right move. It's the wrong move. I think you, I think it all depends on the price. Like if he is a top sixty pick next year, then I think probably yeah. I don't know that he will be. 
I What's think the that, lowest you think he, he he'll range though as an ADP, think, not not as max pick. I think his ADP is gonna be very uh, all over the place. Um, I think there's, I think he had, I think people really excited about him early on, and he nobody's been talking about him down the stretch. Part of that, I think they're missing that because I think they're overrating the the pullback. It's a three sixty ERA in the I second think, half, but it's a one seventeen win. And I also think that Spencer Strider's breakout takes yeah. a lot of the shine away from him. That's true. And uh, Freed having another ace type yeah. season as well. So like he's the number three on a great team, a team that you know may compete for another World Series here, or that is competing for another World Series here. Uh I I, I wonder if he's more of like uh just inside the top one hundred guy. Um and at that price, I'm totally willing to buy. I don't know if I'd buy at – I don't think I would buy at a top 60. I think first I four rounds in a 15-teamer, first five rounds in a 12-teamer, I don't think I'm buying there. I think I'd buy in, you know, in, just inside or outside of the top 100, and I think, honestly, that's where he's going to kind of go. So I'm trying to find – something of a of a of a comp around that level for for this year and the name i'm looking at here and it i know it's not a perfect one-to-one um especially because of what wright's done that not that 19 win total should not move the needle that much mm-hmm. in terms of like drafting him but i think it will but shane mcclanahan you might be stunned to recall this but he was a 92 adp yeah. in the main and I think, and that, and that's exactly why I think he might go around. There. Manoa was okay. eighty-one. So mm-hmm. you know what? I am going to pivot on that and say that if those two went there with the hype that they had, then yeah, maybe there. I, I can definitely see Wright going closer to the seventy-five to one hundred range instead of top sixty. In which case, I do enter the, you know, get back in the fray a little bit more. I still think it's probably wise to not fully buy high here. Mm-hmm. As we always say, try to find the next Cal right. That's easier said than done, though. He was a needle in a haystack, right? He yeah. was a late four hundred something type guy pick if he was being picked, and then he was um, a waiver wire pick. I got him for a buck. I got lucky as hell. I got lucky mm-hmm. as hell. I like Cal right, but I did not know that this was happening. I paid a buck for him because he was starting for Atlanta. I didn't know he's going to have an ace season. So um, I would love to find that next version. But at that at that ADP that you're suggesting. I think that does play a bit more, and I could I could see myself taking that gamble because I was in on McClanahan. I didn't get him in my mains, but I, I was certainly open to paying that price. I think he might be a little bit higher, so I'll use the Manoa comp. Eighty-one is where Manoa went. That's that's not an unfair price for Cal Wright. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I, I can get behind that. All right, so let's speaking of Manoa, perfect transition there. He's next because yes, this is not a uh, this is not a new or no, this is not a new breakout. Uh, he's he's having another great season. So don't get too hung up on the term breakout because he was great last year. But it is another kind of hmm. I'm looking at the season and I'm like, is this going to overinflate Manoa's price or can he catch up to where the ERA is? And what I mean by that is a, is a 240 ERA and a 101 whip, just another brilliant whip. 8.2 K9 gives me a little bit of pause, except when I watch him, I'm like, how is he not a 10, 12 K nine type guy? Like I think he can, he can develop there. And that's what I mean by catch up to the ERA, get the underlying stats in line to where a, a gaudy two and a half ERA sits. Cause he's at a three forty two FIP right now, which is still good. By the way, that's not bad. It is a one run split between that and his ERA, but that's the strikeout rate. Just kind of being like, oh, okay. 
you know, it's a it's a little bit pedestrian for for an ace. Are you ready to pay the premium on Manoa? Because he ain't going 81 again next year. He is no. definitely going top 60 and probably top 45. So yeah. are you ready to pay that price for Alec Manoa? To give you context, we had Alcantara at 38, Robbie Ray at 44, Justin Verlander obviously coming off the health at 53. He's going to be somewhere in that range, I think, if not higher. What do you think of Alec Manoa's season? Where where did, uh, since you got it up, where did Max Fried go left? Max Fried. It's an interesting comparison, too, because he also doesn't have great strikeout. He was actually the next pitcher, 54. Yeah, so I think that's the real, really good comp here. He's this guy that he's not going to have gaudy strikeout numbers. but He did last year, though, 10.2 for Manoa. That's why I think maybe he can get to a point where he is more of a consistent strikeout stud. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely think that's in him. Um I don't know. Grabs his back. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, my yay. lifeline is black. My lifeblood returns. Yes. Though I will say, every time I use the picture list player pages, oh, they're amazing. Like they're awesome. I'm like, not. I'm not closing that tab. Yeah, I just yeah. now I can cite uh, my my other stats yeah. there. But yeah, those are the player pages to to look at all the time. They're so so good. Nick has put so much effort into making those go to pages. And it's really paying off. So, I, I I honestly use them every day. Like I really do. It's yeah. been I'm, with my daily SP charts. I, mm -hmm. What tabs I open? Fangraphs, Bref, Savant, PitcherList. Those are yeah. four. That's that, that's when, how when, I start doing, my research. When I'm doing my off-season projects, I will be I will be living on those player pages. Uh, they're they're so beautiful, I, and the visualizations too. I love just looking mm -hmm. at those bars, and you get a taste right away. It's like the Statcast profile that we you know if it's on red or on I just blue. love it. I have the I love that they have the little link to show the MLB average on every single stat exactly right there. So I don't have to like go back to a reference point to like oh what's what's the O contact or the zone rate you know MLB average zone rate like. To see how like how much up or above or below this guy is, yeah, you know, I've got it right there. So it's and all the pitch breakdown stuff too. So yeah, pitcherlist.com, go check it out. It's wonderful. But Fangraphs back up. So he does have an eleven percent Manoa, has an eleven percent swing strike rate, which is down a bit from last year at thirteen percent. Um, so that's probably cutting into his K's. But everything else is so good. Uh, he's actually cut his uh, walk rate by three points too, from nine percent to six percent. So we like that. There has been advancements this year. His Sierra is basically the same, 388 last year, 386 this year. He continues to outrun it uh, with his production because he's so difficult to square up. He's allowing a 204 average after last year's 191. So Manoa's got it, man. He's going to be 25. I think I really do think he's an ace in the making, and I I, I am willing to pay the premium here. I, I, will, I faded him this year saying, I want to see another year. I had a few concerns. The platoon split was a concern. I was worried about a budding home run issue, which did not come to fruition. He cut the homers back down to 0.8, and I was worried about that division. He didn't exactly quell the, the platoon issue, 694 OPS to lefties, 472 to righties, but 694 is not killing you. It's it, it's a large split, but it's because he's so dominant against right-handers. So I think Manoa is an ace in the making. I will pay the premium with him. I mean, I disagree with you that he's an ace in the making. I think he's already an ace. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and I just meant uh, like gets the K's back to, to ace level. And yet, like, I mean, I know this is stupid and it's narrative. And, um, you know, there will definitely be people who push back. I just love the mentality. Like, I just, I, I love how, uh, like, the, to steal a, like a common phrase, you know, a really popular common phrase right now. 
he has that dog got in that him. dog like, in him maybe like he just he, he, he epitomizes like mm-hmm. he's just he's just a menace on the mound um i i don't think that is like bs or whatever and i think our friend ian khan would fully back you on that he 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 does a lot of stuff based on on feel if he basically has like his knucklehead index and stuff and i guarantee manoa uh, well, I shouldn't guarantee, but I, I bet he rates low on the knucklehead index. I don't think he's a knucklehead, and I bet Ian likes him, and he likes that dog in him as well. But I think there is something that he's not scared at all, and he showed it yeah. day one. Where was his debut, Justin? Do you remember? Yankees. He, he walked into Yankee Stadium yeah. and shit on him, and like he's just been taking the league by storm since. So you're right. He already is an ace, but I just mean he'll get that strikeout rate up to ace level. I'm ready to pay. I'm, I'm in on the Manoa I- train. I think he's just the kind of guy that if you're going to draft him as your ace, make sure your number two has really gaudy strikeouts. Like, yeah, co- just, cover you know, the Ks in case they yeah. don't come. Absolutely. And if they do come, that's just added icing on the Yep. Um, I, I aim to make him my number two, to be honest. Yes, I agree. In a pitcher-heavy okay. build, you know, maybe I go first-round hitter, second-round, and third-round pitchers with with – Woodruff and Manoa, whomever, you know, um, that's the kind of build that I'm thinking with Manoa. I also like him in a, like, if if I can get him in the third, like, right? Like, so we're talking about a 15-team league here, obviously, yeah. right? Top 25 so, pick. Hitter, hitter, Manoa, Robbie Ray, like. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, something like that makes me feel pretty good walking, you know, walking into the fifth, sixth round where I can start attacking closers or or other hitters. I agree. I like that a lot. Um, so, Manoa, we're, we're in. Let's stay in the AL East and go to the left side. Nestor Cortez. Of course, we got to talk about him. He's having a wonderful season. He's kind of like an AL uh, Tony Gonsolin. And I'm just using that as a loose comp. There's no real reason to to drive that comp home. Uh, and he doesn't even have a billion wins either. But he's 10-4, 267 ERA, .97 whip, with 146 strikeouts in 145 innings for Nestor Cortez. You know, if you didn't think last year could hold, uh, you you were proven pretty wrong, folks. Not, I'm not saying you specifically. I'm just saying anybody that was skeptical, he came out and said, you know what, I can do it for even more innings because he's basically emulating last year. He has improved both his ERA and WHIP from 290.108 to 267.97. Uh, difficult to square up at all. 199 average. Got the strikeouts, doesn't walk, guys, doesn't throw hard, but did add one mile an hour of velo this year up to 91.8 from the left side, which is low, but you don't need velo to succeed, so I don't lose my mind over that. He's 28 years old next year. What do you make of Nestor Cortez now coming off of, what is this, 100, or excuse me, 238 innings of excellent work? <laughs> I don't know. Like I, like, I feel like there has to be regression, but, like, I – I think he is as difficult to analyze as he is to square up against because, uh, <laughs> like, he, he's just one of those guys that that defies logic in the numbers. Like he, like it's it, it really is because, like, you look at him and you go, "There's no way." And you look at the numbers and you go, "Like the XERA is actually better than the ERA." It's, it's like, all there, yeah. Like. Like it's like you like everything underlying says he should be fine. You just worry that like the lack of velocity, um, it, you it know. decreases the margin for error. And it's I plain think- and simple. That is well proven, by the way. That's not that's not speculation. Mm-hmm. Velo 
earns you margin for error. So if you're riding a 91.8 as a left-hander, you don't need as big of a velo from the left side, but 91.8 is still low. And like he's one of these guys that relies upon being like having pinpoint command and control. Mm -hmm. um, and these are the type of guys, you know, this is like the Zach Plesak argument of a few years ago. Like these kind of guys have a much slimmer margin for error already. Now you're also talking about a guy who really likes to mess with timing. You know, that yeah. doesn't just mess with the hitter's timing. That messes with his own timing. We look at a guy who's been notorious for this over the last decade, Johnny Cueto. I was going to say he, he got that Cueto in him. Yeah, he does. He, you know, he, he is like, you know, Cueto had the dreads. Cortez has the, uh, the mustache. Like, um, but like there, like there is so much that could go wrong. Um, that being said, like, I don't have this overwhelming feeling in spite of him being such a popular player, being on the Yankees, having such a great year. Like, I feel like he's going to be on everybody's fade list. Um, and I wonder, like, is he going to be much cheaper than he should be? Because people are like, I don't want to hold the bat. Like, if that's, that's a good point game, about Nestor Cortez. Let me, let me ask you this: two ninety five last year, obviously going way up. Mm -hmm. Is it one fifty, one hundred? Like, I think it's got to be inside the top one hundred. You'd think, right? But, yeah. but I don't know that it will be. I don't either. Again, I, I, Shane McClanahan went 92. And I, 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 obviously, it's hard for me to divorce myself from what Shane McClanahan is right now. And I was also a fan of his. So I just see that as like, oh, you know, he, he panned out. He's great. But like, Nathan Evaldi went 102 last year. So you're right. If he, and he was coming off a great year, but with his track record, yeah. You, you could, and I, I feel like I'm one of the bigger Nathan Evaldi fans. Like, in the universe, to be honest, I love that guy, but I couldn't pay that last year, uh, knowing his track record of of not stringing together two healthy seasons. Cortez doesn't have that sort of same concern. I'm not making a one to one comparison there. I'm saying a, a dodgier type profile uh, that doesn't have a full scale track record went that high. So you're right. I think Cortez will be in that range. Will you pay it? I think in the under the right circumstances. I, I don't think like he's going to fit every single one of my builds. Um, I think Here, here's a name for you. Sorry to cut cut you off, but I think this this will illuminate a little bit. Chris Bassett went one twelve, mm -hmm. and he was coming off. Actually, this is this is actually a better comp than I than I originally thought too, because um, he was coming off of a, a similar innings count of greatness, two hundred twenty innings. If you added up Bassett's uh, pandemic season plus the twenty twenty one, he had he was riding two hundred twenty innings of a two ninety ERA and a one oh nine WHIP. So kind of similar to Cortez here now riding the 238 innings of a 276 ERA and a 101 whip. And that put him 112, throw on a Yankee tax, bump it up to like 90, 95. So I think you're right on the ADP and you said you'd pay it in some circumstances. What are those circumstances that you'd pay for Cortez? So with Cortez, I feel like there is this, you know, obvious outcome that he could fall apart like that, like all of a sudden, the messing with hitters isn't really working the way he it's worked in the past. People are sitting on, you know, certain pitches and just rocketing. And like all of a sudden you went from, you know, your top hundred pick needs to be dropped. So I think you want to weigh that kind of outcome and really pair him with, you know, an ace who has no question marks. Like, like I, none of these, like, you know, first-time aces or guys with injury, you know, like, you can't pair him with a DeGrom. Um, you can't pair him, even with, like, a McClanahan, considering he's hit the IL twice. 
uh, here uh, down, down the stretch um, and still pitches for the Rays who, you know, may try to protect, you know, their ace. Um, so you're trying to get as clean a profile as you can yeah. with Cortez. Obviously, you can never guarantee anything, but you're looking for like a Dylan Cease to go with him or is that too new of an ace? I, th- I think there are a lot of question marks about Dylan Cease. Too. Okay, Kevin Gosman then. I think yeah. Gosman, yeah. yeah. Gos- or or Zach yeah. Health too. But so like a Kevin Gosman, Brandon Woodruff is what you're looking for. Yeah, I think a, 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 a Woodruff or Gosman, I think, are perfect examples of guys okay. who I'd be fine pairing with. Yeah. Um, the only th- question I have is, is if the Yankee tax will push Cortez higher than we're saying. And don't forget a playoff tax could definitely do that too. Absolutely. If he studs out for them on a on a big LCS or World Series run – that's going to move the needle on Cortez too. Their playoff tax, you will see a couple guys. It's always just a handful, but they get that big playoff tax, and that can be tough, and that can take me out. Uh, if that happens to Cortez, I would probably venture away if he's more of like a 75-80th type pick. I will say, though, like, and maybe this is anecdotal, but I feel like with the evolution of the amount of information we have, I think people are less – uh, app to give huge playoff taxes nowadays. That's good. It still, it still yeah. happens. Absolutely. Because, like, yeah. you know, like we saw with Bellinger, right? Like people mm-hmm. saw the Bellinger playoffs and went, oh, Bellinger's back, baby. Like, yeah. he, you know, he's ready to go. But I think, I think mostly the playoff tax is a confirmation bias on guys people already want to like. That's a fair you point. Know? And I think you can make a case that the playoff tax wears on as we get deeper into draft season. Yeah, it's, it's probably only something to focus on for the rest of calendar year drafts, meaning mm-hmm. October through December. Because we didn't see like a huge like bump for Jorge Soler or even like Eddie Rosario, like like from last year. Like we didn't see. Uh, like the- I disagree with that, especially Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario, one seventy five. That wasn't he like three hundreds the year before? Maybe he wasn't. Maybe no, I don't no, have no. frame of reference. Yeah, I don't think you have frame of reference there. Where did Soler go? I'm pulling up Soler. Soler went. Soler went. Well, I'm looking at the main too. I w- actually let me let me say what I just said about the timing of it. Let's go to late uh, late in that year. Well, I think they'll be bad examples probably because they didn't sign. They also didn't have teams. Yeah. Yep, right. and and everything with the lockout. Yeah, he was. Uh, Soler was 200. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, Eddie Rosario was 169, uh, and that's October through but December. Even like Kevin Gosman, like he didn't like. Well, I guess he didn't have like a, a long playoffs because the Giants weren't in for very long. Um, I yeah. don't know. No, no. Hey, I, like I, I said, think this could be anecdotal. Like this could just be my bad memory too. Um, but... I hear you though. I, I I understand, and I do think that that the playoff tax will dwindle. So even if it does spike him up, it'll probably dwindle as as the draft season goes on. But uh, there are certain certainly circumstances where you'd be interested in Cortez, an interesting lefty to be sure. Another interesting lefty who, hey man, I I, I was I wasn't praying for his downfall, but I was calling for it. I, I was consistent that Martin Perez would fade and that you would be best served to be very, very careful here. And I was dead wrong. He has 183 innings now of a 290-125 ERA whip combo over 30 starts, 12 wins, 21% K rate, 8% walk rate, 0.5 home run rate. That is the key to this, 1 jillion percent. He sliced his home run to fly ball rate more than in half from 16 to 7%, but it wasn't out of nowhere. That sinker was 
a much bigger deal than I gave it credit for, to be honest. I was like, oh, you know, he's using a sinker more in his four seam or less, but like, come on, uh, that and a cutter cannot be sustaining this all year. Well, guess what? I was dead ass wrong. He spiked his cutter, uh, excuse me, he spiked his sinker usage from 25 to 37%. That's how you keep the ball down for Martin Perez. The 31 year old had a great season. What's funny is I was a big Martin Perez stand in his prospect days and his early <laughs> career. Too. So it's like, I, I did want this to succeed, but that doesn't mean I was not in on it at all. Uh, I'm, I am a little happy to be wrong here, but I was dead, 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 dead wrong. What do you make of Martin Perez? And are you going to pay for this next year now? Because he's going to be a free agent. We don't know if the sinker and the home run suppression is going to hold. What's the scoop with Martin Perez? I will say this, and I bet that's the first thing you're going to say is he's not going to be expensive. I don't think the market's going to overprice this. I really don't. I think he's going to end up back in Texas. Uh, Good. I, I, it, that would play for me. I think if uh, I think one, I think they're going to give him the qualifying offer. Um, I believe he can get it. Uh, uh, and I think two, um, why would the Rangers not have traded him at the deadline if they didn't think they were bringing him back? And there were reports when they made this move um, that they were, you know, strongly considering bringing him back on a multi-year deal. Uh, I, and I think that would be huge for him because part of what has helped him is pitching in that ballpark, which uh, Texas has just, you know, become this pitcher haven. Uh, and pitching in that division with really, really bad teams to go up against. Uh, in some really, really great parks to pitch in. You know, Seattle's a great place to pitch. Oakland's the best place in the majors to pitch. Um, you know, all Anaheim, you got to do... Anaheim was not scary for a lot of the summer when Trout no. wasn't even there. You really just had to get around Otani, and that's lefty-lefty for Perez. So mm -hmm. that wasn't even the, the most difficult well, and thing. The, the difficult part about that park is for righties because yes. it's right field that uh, that they lowered uh, to uh, give uh, the, those guys a little bit of offensive boost. But... Um, Here's the thing, like I think it just depends on his price. Like I and I, I think this is a, like a Tyler Anderson situation where because he's kind of a soft tosser, like people are not going to I don't think it's uh, gonna be expensive at all. I don't think it's gonna be expensive at all. I think again, I think this is like another version of the Cal Quantrill who we're gonna talk about here uh at the you know, kind of the end of the list. Um, I think people are going to say, Hey, that was fun, great job. And on you the know, back, thank, do your thing. Thank you Cal for your service was a 380p coming off of that I know blistering I, second half. He was one and, of my most rostered guys in DCs and for some reason I went away from him as we got into March uh, and I shouldn't have. Um I think Perez will be like uh, upper 200s but that's still cheap. I'm that's fine. Cheap. I'm absolutely yeah. fine. Right. Like I like I I'm not projecting him to have like a low 3z RA either. Like I think he's probably like a 375 guy. Like yeah. That's what, um, that's what I'll project is something in the upper threes yeah. with a with a decent to mediocre whip. Yeah, he, he's he's one of these guys where you want to you want to watch your team build with him, right? Because they're like it's not a huge strikeout, you know, uh, kind of profile. But yeah, like he's fine. He's fine middle of your rotation, especially in deeper formats. I think in tens and twelves, he's like the last pitcher you add to your bench. Uh, mm -hmm. But in 15s, like if he's my sixth pitcher, like fine, whatever. Okay, that's that's great. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with that with regards to Martin Perez. Um, again, fat L, but uh, really, really happy that he had a nice season. It was it was great. This guy, wow, he came out and put up a season to be proud of. And I was surprised to see Jeffrey Springs come out like that and just put up 
such a prideful season uh, with a 245 ERA, 109 whip in 121 in the third with a 26% K rate, 6% walk rate. The craziest part is it's just that he came, he came out of the bullpen to do this. Like, who the hell was Jeffrey Springs? Like, I, I'd heard of the name before, but I couldn't give a second thought about him as some just journeyman middle reliever. And now here he is. The Rays have done it again and, and just found a, a damn gem. 22 starts on the season, eight relief appearances. He's been wonderful. Most impressive was how they kind of turned him loose pretty quickly. His fourth start, he went six innings. I think it's it took Drew Rasmussen 112 career starts to go six innings. Uh, I'm just kidding. Obviously, he doesn't even have 112 career starts. But it was weird because it seemed like Springs got the uh, you know got the reins off of him sooner than somebody like Rasmussen who'd been doing more you know, uh, been pitching a lot more as a starter. This has been a pretty unimpeachable run for Springs. Um, it, like I said, it's something to really be proud of for him, and I'm glad he came out and did it. But what do you make of it for next year? Can you really buy into this? Do we even know if they're going to start him next year? I would think that they will, but you never freaking know with the Rays. So let's just assume they do start him. Are you going to pay for this, and where do you think the price is going to be on a Jeffrey Springs? Yeah, I have no problem paying for it as long as it's cheap. Like, I, I feel like he's one of these, again, one of these guys where the market is probably not going to buy back in at the level he probably should. If he's outside the top 200, I think he's a fine gamble to take. There is a lot of question marks. You said it, right? What is Tampa going to do? Mm-hmm. They've got all these really, really good arms, and there's not going to be room for all these guys. But to, like, answer the question about, like, why was he given the opportunity um, when like guys like Rasmussen were kind of put the reins on, is because they don't give a shit about his arm. Like <laughs> he's not part of the long-term plans. They're like, and we need guys to cover for the guys we're protecting. Like you know, and I think they're all like, hey, we're gonna give you a chance to go out there and pitch. Just go pitch. Like, Just do your thing. We we you know? we need you. It's the same reason why they brought in Corey Kluber. Like, yep. we don't give a shit if your arm falls off. Like, it, you know, it just uh, we care if McClanahan's arm fall off or Patino's yeah. arm or, or, or Patino or Rasmussen. Yeah, yeah, like, but we don't care about you. Just go out there and pitch. Um, by by and, the way, I, I probably should have put Ras on this list, but we'll, we'll talk about him another time. We'll get plenty of offseason yeah. burn on him, but because uh, he only has a twenty-two percent K rate. But Springs, man, twenty-six percent K is like it. it it all checks out. It's a 332 CR, which is a, a far split from a 245 ERA. But I never expect anybody to have, when they have a sub three ERA, the expectation is not that your Sierra will match. But if you put up a representative uh, strong ER, Sierra, which is a, an ERA indicator FIP, if you if you prefer whatever, but um, all those look pretty good for Springs. 85% left on base rate is huge. That That will certainly regress. But even if that regresses, that gets him back to like what mid threes? Is he a legit mid threes guy? Is here's a question: If you if you regress him, he kind of looks like Nestor Cortez, like what we we're saying about Nestor Cortez. In fact, they throw the same velo from the left side. Should you not just pass on Nestor and take Springs as a bargain basement Nestor, assuming he's starting and everything too? If obviously if that changes, we will pivot. But right now, we're assuming he's starting next year. I mean, I think that there's a very good argument for that. Like, because um, he'll be I, cheaper, right? Like we're saying, he, top 100 cheaper, for Nestor. But I, I also think that the path to playing time in Tampa is probably much more uh, filled with landmines sure. for Springs than it, it is always for is with, with the Rays, right? But if we're talking about like a hundred pick difference, or maybe even a hundred and fifty pick difference, yeah, uh, then yeah, obviously you should probably 
because you don't want to pair these guys together. It's no, for for me, it's a matter for me, it's a matter of hey, I missed out on Cortez. Well, yeah, you, you know what? Fine. I'm gonna I'll grab Springs later and maybe that's the guy. Because he'll be a lot easier to drop if things do go wrong. If things go wrong for Cortez, the problem is people are gonna be like, I'm just gonna hold on through it. I'm just gonna hold on through it. And they will go over those landmines left and right. Um, and I know this because I made these mistakes this year with a number of other pitchers, like you know. Um, and so I, I, I almost like drafting. Sp- I, I bet you I will have more springs than I do Cortez because I would rather have the guy that has the big potential landmines be someone I have no problem dropping after three yep. starts than the guy who I'm gonna. The Trevor Rogers one, just gonna hold on to because I, he's I Trevor Rogers. Through is my sixth round a, pick. Yeah, I spent a fourth or fifth round pick on the dude, um, you know, or the Lucas Giolito who is actively just destroyed me all year long. So he's been he's been so tough. Um, how much would I have to pay you to make a team where you have Cortez, Perez, and Springs? Just get all three lefties. That would be funny. Um, <laughs> Your strikeouts would be in a little bit. It of definitely trouble. won't be in the main, but like, I, I could see like, no, I can't see it. I could see a I, DC. The only thing I could see is a DC where I'm just stocking arms, and those are the ones that are available to me. Yeah, I guess. I think I, I, mean, I wouldn't think, want to do it. I'm just saying I, that's the only way I could venture in. It won't where I'm happen just like, with Cortez, but like, could you see me do a a, a springs? Um, a Perez and a Cal Quantrill are gonna like I keep referencing, yes, yeah, because he's definitely drafting Cal Quantrill, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's everybody's gonna fade him again, and I'm still gonna no, be absolutely fading. like his price will rise from the 300, but it's not gonna rise in yeah. concert with what he's done again. And we'll get to him last. We got two more guys here. Let's talk Dean Kramer, and I could have put any number of Baltimore pitchers that because they've all had some some interest this year, but. He's the only one that actually still has a, a a good bottom line ERA. Like Bradish obviously had the gem yesterday at Houston. He's shown some things since coming off the IL. Tower Wells has a 425 ERA. Um, he's shown some things as well. But Kramer has a 333 ERA. So he has kept the ERA good all year. Homie loves the new wall out, uh, out there in Baltimore. In fact, he loves it so much that I'm not sure I can be convinced that he didn't come up with the plan himself. He has a 317 home year right now. It's only 347 on the road. So I, I sh- that did kind of suggest that he was a complete product of the home park. So I'm sorry about that, Dean Kramer. Uh, but he does like pitching at home. 120 whip where it jumps up to 133 on the road. The tough part here is the strikeout rate. It is bad. And again, it goes back to like a, a Tyler Anderson type rate. Uh, I mentioned Tyler Anderson was 6.7 K9, which is 6.4. It's 6.4 for Kramer. Since we're back on fan graphs, I'll give you the rate. That's a 17% rate. That's that's bad, Justin. It's bad. It's too much contact. So he was able to survive a 9.1 hits per nine, Dean Kramer was. Can he do it again? Because I look at the 333 ERA and a 127 whip, and it tells me that that whip, that whip tells me he needs to be higher uh, in the ERA, and I, I worry a bit about it. Do you believe in Dean Kramer at all? His XERA is 445. Pretty much all you need to know. That's where his Sierra yeah. is too. So both both metrics. Yeah. Now, the question, the one thing I would say though, 10% swing strike rate suggests that he can add more Ks. What about the development piece? Is there anything there that you think Dean Kramer could develop? And thus, because he's probably going to be cheap, he was undrafted this year. His price mm-hmm. is not going to be particularly expensive. He should be in the 200s easily. Does that encourage you at all? Like, hey, Baltimore's doing something. They had several guys go well. 
Would you rather draft him, uh, Kramer, Bradish, Voth, or Wells? Since they're all four pretty dang similar. Uh, I think I, I think I would rather I think I would rather draft the guy with the best strikeout upside, which is Bradish. So um, I think that's that's who I and I mean you know, my number I, one too. Yeah, you and I talked about it prior. Like the start last night was pretty impressive, especially you look at like what he did from a pitch mix um, and sequencing perspective. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. It, it was very, very impressive. He's been a 50% fastball guy all year. Uh, Bradish has, uh, he threw 18 out of hundred pitches over fastballs and like, and just carved up Houston. I mean, just like two, kept- two shut out, uh, two hit shut, uh, eight and two thirds shutout innings, two hits, 10 Ks, no walks. Yeah. Insane. Insane yeah. outing. Insane. Um, all right. And- not only was it insane, wasn't it in? No, no, it was it, in Baltimore. I oh, I thought saying. it was in Houston too. Yeah, no. that's right. It it was it was uh, in Baltimore. That's great though. But anyway, with Dean Kramer, you're unlikely to buy even at like a 250 type ADP. I think so. Yeah, I just there's too many landmines plus lack of K's. Like if he develops great, I think he's one of those guys you take a look at the early season schedule for the Orioles next year, and you go, hey, if this is a really nice early season schedule, maybe I I throw a dart on him late. Uh, but I'd rather pick him up off the waiver wire after he's disappointed people. I'm not fully out here. I'm, I I need, I need more, uh, research on Bradish Kramer, Wells and both, but I'm intrigued by this Baltimore four here. Obviously, Grayson Rodriguez is going to be coming up. DL Hall. They could bring in a pitcher. I think they should sign Carlos Rodon. I think they should just follow the Mariners path to a T and sign an ace in the offseason the way they signed Robbie Ray and just keep their their Mariners track followed and and add Rodon. So that would create some havoc too. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a fence sit on Kramer. I would be interested in the in the mid 200s price. If he is more expensive than that, I'll probably pass. But I think there could be some development here. But we got to move on because you, you have a hard out and mm-hmm. I got to give you a ch- time to talk yeah. about Cal Quantrill. So Michael Walker gets skipped. Sorry, we got to talk Cal Quantrill. Like we've said, we've alluded to him a few times already. He's doing it again. He put up a 289 ERA last year with a 118 whip. Brilliant second half. But he had a 20% K rate, 8% walk rate. So he went pick 300. Same sort of shit. Now, it's not a sub-3 ERA again, but it's a 356, 124. But even that is too low for what his skills suggest. 17% K rate. He did cut the walk rate down to 6%. How's your boy doing it again? And are you going to rebuy yet again? Because he's probably only going to move up to like early 200s as opposed to low 300s he throws his four seamer four percent of the time he just he keeps guys off balance and guessing he's really good at pitch sequencing um and he has a deep arsenal cal quantrill does yeah he's got a super deep arsenal uh there is uh all sorts of ways this can go wrong absolutely yeah Uh, at at least that is baked into the price though like because legitimately he's going to be like a 225 adp there people aren't going to pay again for Quantrill, except for you yeah you're not gonna have to pay a lot either so it's not like you're gonna overdraft him i don't think uh no i mean i i don't think he's like i still think he's probably outside the top 200 picks like i just don't think that people are going to give him any credence He, he he does a really good job of not giving up free bases um, he gets, you know, he's got a decent strike or a decent, uh, not a decent ground ball rate. So like, he's not letting people put it in the air against him a ton. Like he does a lot of what he needs to do to limit damage. There is no upside. Though. Like there is like, yeah, this is like the, I mean, and this has been great. Like a 356 ERA, like is, is great. But like, 
he's not going to like become this huge strikeout guy. Like he's not going to win you your leagues. He's best suited for DCs, deeper format leagues, as a back end of a rotation stabilizing force. Um, if he is going inside like the top 150 it, pick, it won't or happen. 175, it won't like, happen. I won't be interested. But I, I, like I, I like, said, I don't think it will either. No, I promise. I, I I feel like I can promise it won't happen. Just quickly, because again, again, I know you got to go. But John Means was 208 last year, coming off a good season. Bailey Ober had a lot of hype. He was picked 209. They were right back to back. If that's where those guys were going, Jesus Lazardo 210. People buying back in yeah. on his hype. He's nowhere near that. He might go 300 again, Cal Quantrill. He really might. I said he I, won't, but I, he damn near might, man. I think the really, really good comp here is Marco Gonzalez. Like, yes. Marco Gonzalez outpitched his peripherals every year until like this year. The, yep. You know, but like you also see like here's the downside, like, right? Like this is a guy who's super, super cheap um, that should be fine. Like, right? He's not going to win your league or anything, but he's going to be fine. But there he is also, an implosion chance. There is an, yeah, there is an absolute, like, this guy is straight garbage. I think he'll know pretty early, though. Like, true. So, like, it, I think you'll, I think, you know, he's one of those guys, like, hey, if he's bad, you just drop him and move on to the next guy uh, because he hasn't, you know, you, you didn't put much into that stock. Yeah, there are reasons to be concerned about Quantrill. It is all covered in the price, though. So if you like him, you can draft him. You, any guy you get with a pick that starts with a three, you know could be off your roster mm -hmm. in week two. So yep. just keep that in mind. So there, there's some of the suspicious breakouts. Uh, we don't have suspicion about some of them. A few others we're a little bit more cautious on. But a very interesting group. I really can't wait to see where drafts are going to start putting slotting these different guys. Um, I already know that even though the season hasn't even wound down yet, I'm already Jones and for some October drafts and I know they'll be coming up soon. So Justin, yep. you got to get going. It was great talking with you. And uh, what do you guys got planned for the weekend? You and Jason can be able to link up. Oh, I got to talk with Jason. I, uh, he, you know, he, he turned 50. He's a man now. Um, By the way, today's the anniversary of I'm a man. I'm 40. Oh, is it's, it? it's, it's amazing oh, that you brought good. that up incidentally. Yeah. Cause it is, it is the, uh, it's the anniversary. Oh, that's great. Um, so, but yeah. Uh, oh, yesterday yeah. was. I'm sorry. Oh, but anyway, close, close enough. enough. Uh, yeah. So, uh, hopefully, we will uh, we will get together uh, on Sunday. I'll, I'll send him a text uh, here today and, and confirm that. But uh, other than that, man, it's uh, end of the season, starting to wrap things up. Uh, I'm going to spend a lot of the weekend cleaning up my garage and getting to all those spring cleaning things that. I didn't get cleaning. to because it, yeah, it's too busy of a season for me. So, uh, yeah, all cleaning so. works though too. It's yeah, nice right? to, to reset. In fact, I'm doing all my stuff. I bought some new drawers. I'm going to put together this weekend. So we're, I'm, we're I'm starting to set up that. for Halloween. Like it's yeah, it's, it's that time of year. That's awesome. All right. Well, I hope you have a great weekend. You and I will definitely be back on Tuesday if you and Jason don't get together on Sunday. Take care. Take it easy.